welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our quarterly roundtable episode where we have on Brad Freeman and Ian Gray. Uh, we're basically, uh, we usually come in with no script, but today we've got the five best businesses of all time. We each have our own rankings, so we're kind of going to go through those. I imagine there'll be a bit of overlap, but Brad, Ian, it's now been three months since we last spoke. So how are you guys? How have the portfolios been holding up? Not great. How about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a tough time, but I don't know. Ian launched uh, Merlin. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep, we've got Merlin on the App Store now. So check it out. M-E-R-L-Y-N, Merlin. Um, so that's been that's been fun. And it's been uh, it's been a good thing to keep my mind off the market, too, in the last couple of months. But I, I actually enjoy times like this in the market, too, because it, it makes it more interesting i think and you can find some good deals every once in a while and um keeps you on your toes to to have a little volatility like this and brad you have been working on the newsletter pretty heavily if i've seen what's the last report you did was it upstart yeah the last deep dive was upstart since then i've done well i started positions in paypal and match group so i kind of posted like not a deep dive but a three or four page full summary and, and uh, an overview of the risks and everything like that. But the last deep dive was Upstart, uh, working on PayPal now. And then well, I'm basically turning both of those match group and PayPal write-ups into deep dives. And then, um, yeah, go from there. All right. Well, do we want to get into it? Who wants to go first? I have, I have a question or for Ryan, Ryan first. Ian, what was, the, uh, what was the number one thing you learned in the development process of Merlin? Did it take longer than you were expecting? What were some of the, like the big takeaways? Yeah, I'd say it probably did take a little longer than I was expecting. I never built something like that before. Um, but I'd say the big takeaway was just how customizable every single aspect of something is when you're building something from the ground up with software. There's really endless possibilities, which is a good thing on the one hand, because you can really make it however you want to make it. But on the other hand, there's also like an endless decision tree, right? That if you do this, then there's all these other possibilities that can happen. And so you have to Right. very clearly define what happens in each of those possibilities and try and create good fixes and good solutions. Even when you think everything makes sense or this is how the users are going to go through the app, um, sometimes there's edge cases and trying to figure out all of those. So there's just, it was, it really is a, an open sandbox. And um, I don't know if that was, that was probably one of the big takeaways for me. Were there it's like any- curling with the brunt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any companies that you relied on? I know one, being Twilio, uh, were there any other ones that you kind of interfaced with that maybe you wouldn't have been able to see or get some experience with other than that? Yeah, we used quite a few companies. So we, we had Twilio, which um, works with our kind of our video platform. Um, we used Stripe for our payments. Um, we used Wix for, um, for our website and our landing page. Nice. We're heavily involved with Apple because we're launched on the App Store and they have a very um, set environment to use and a particular coding language that they use. And so um, those are probably the four big ones. But uh, yeah, lots of interactions with companies that, that we've talked about before. 
What were your thoughts on Stripe? Is it everything it's cracked up to be? Yes, I, I would say yes and no. So yes, it's it is a really great tool, and um, I think clearly the best tool out there, at least in our opinion, when we were choosing a tool for payments, um, it made a lot of sense. I will say that there's I think some assumptions that sometimes those tools are easier to use than they actually are, right? It's just it's still um, there's still work to be done. There's no out of the box solution that just works perfectly, and they don't want it to be like that either because they want you to be able to customize things and make it how you want it, and so. Um, even when you're using solutions like that, it still still takes some time and effort to get it how you want it in your in your platform. But it's been working well for us so far. All right, let's uh, let's dig into best businesses. Who wants to kick things off? Well, let me let me say that what we the question was. It was just what are the five best businesses, and it's pretty open ended of all time. Of all time, well, I guess they if they're not if they're in the top five, they probably should be around today. Uh, totally if, they, if they didn't make it, what what did you say, Brad? This is just a totally objective process that, that we were playing out here. There's exactly. only one right answer. <laughs> and in seriousness, it is pretty subjective. So we wanted to make it vague just for everyone to have their own little definition, their own little arguments. I don't know who wants to go first, take the big leap here. Brad, maybe you, Brad, because you kind of spoiled it yeah, beforehand. Yeah, so I think you might have to I think we have to go. Yeah. So so for three of them, I'm kind of I'm I'm just I'm using what what we can refer to as as a cop out with Yeah, go ahead. Wait, wait, did you rank them in order? Um, yes, I did, but, okay. but, but they're kind of in two groups. So there's like a group of three and then there's a group of two behind them. Um, start with, start with your, your five, worst, your lower five, ranked. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, well the, the lower lowest, two, the lowest ranked ones are the, are like the dark horses. Um, okay. well, not really a dark horse. You can't call these companies dark horses, but, but, but not off the top of your head would, would think of it. So the criteria that I, I thought of, um, for this was, which company has, has been able to grow into a, a juggernaut, a sustainable compounder without just having to pour a lot of money in, into marketing expenses? Which company has just been able to organically become a, a gigantic presence in a market without uh, doing what, what we see with, with, uh, with, with companies marketing on TV every single day? So um, not to upset two of our, of our uh, hosts, but I am going with Tesla for, for number five for not the most compelling stock in the world, because we, that's a completely different argument. But in terms of the most compelling um, automaker in the world, just the, the precipitous growth that they've had and, and, and the lead that I think that they currently have in, in the EV market and, and the fact that they have just spent so little money because they have this, this, this cult founder who can just market for them on Twitter, um, that, that really has just uh, has created a unique environment that I, I've sat out on personally as an investor over the last several years since I've started and, and sat out to my detriment and demise. Um, so giving the nod to Tesla, even though I know that's probably not a popular take on here, but Brett's, Brett's cringing over here. You can't deny the growth. And that but, is the, you know, Elon's Twitter is quite the marketing advantage. Yeah. yeah and I mean, along those lines, I, you, I, you, I think maybe in 30 or 40 years, we, and this is, this is like, way long shot and 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 95% chance it doesn't come to fruition but barstool and portnoy and and the polarization that they bring to the table and the massive cult following they have on social media could turn into kind of like a sports entertainment version of that but i'm not ready to call ESPN, but, but they're, next, not, but they're not in the top that's not that's not your other one is it no 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 no, no. Okay. Barstool is not one we would have started out with some some wild cards there but i mean you, you can make an argument they could be the next espn i mean i don't think that's yeah, crazy yeah barstool, yeah um but number four, same similar criteria, similar methodology for picking out a company is Costco because they've 
they've turned into this in, incredible cult-like company for for my parents and I'm sure for a, a, lot, a lot of your parents and now for me as well, just passing the torch along from generation to generation, hunting for these amazing deals. And not only that, but they're, they're really seamless ability to turn every single popular product they have on their shelves into Kirkland and into a private label margin juicing um, mar- margin juicing endeavor really just makes those four walls that they have even more uh, valuable and even more um, yeah even more lucrative and again they've just grown into this gigantic firm with very little external marketing and and it's something that I admire so just along those or that that kind of general framework of 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 criteria, Tesla and and Costco, two very similar companies, obviously, um, almost the same, I guess. But the other three are a lot more boring. So, um, I mean, going with the the mega cap technology companies and and picking, in this case, the three cloud providers, I'm going to go with Microsoft and Amazon and Google. Um, Very, very honorable mention to Facebook, which is actually the one that I own out of the four. Um, But I don't think it's, it's quite as um, quite as as proven, especially with all this money they're spending on the metaverse. So just giving the nod to those those three other more established companies and all the the the, the uh, I don't even know how to say what I'm saying, but all of the project that they have going on in the side burner. I, I mean, um, Google with 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 not a side project is you can't call YouTube a side project, but YouTube and and Waymo and Google Maps and all of these amazing things that they have on the side in addition um, to Google Search. So. Not ranking one ahead of the other, although I get actually, yeah, I will because it's more fun that way. So I'll go. Um, let's go Microsoft. Give them the edge with with LinkedIn and Xbox and and Amazon a very very close second, and then Google a uh, third place. Um, so yeah, Microsoft won. Microsoft I, best business best business. Mm-hmm. I think I could hear that argument. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not not only. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, I'll I'll leave it there because because I because I've been rambling and also because if you ask me again in two minutes. Um, and, and their listeners didn't hear my response. I probably would have said Amazon first and then Microsoft second. So they're so close and they're, and they're such incredible companies. Um, and, and yeah, so, so picking those three to be boring and, and safe and then Costco and, and Tesla as the two large caps that, that aren't always, I mean, pretty much never considered in the same light as those three. I, uh, I want to pick on your honorable mention here because this was, uh, also an honorable mention for myself. Um, Facebook definitely has characteristics of what I would want, what I would think of as the best possible business model, user-generated content and a network effect. Facebook basically exhibits those better than anyone else. YouTube, maybe. But I also think in order to be a best business, you have to not be, and this is, this is kind of like inevitable, but you have to be on the regulator's side. They, they, you can't want people to hope you can't, it can't be schadenfreude. Is that what it is? Where they hope they're hoping you fail. Oh, I've won. I've won in here that they're, they've been hoping you might get it right easily. They're hoping to fail for 50 years, but. The thing is, I know, but it just, it makes that, that was the big thing for me was the regulatory hiccup. It's just, it prohibits them from doing a lot. I think industry durability also matters where like Microsoft's, okay, yeah, they may have some threats from Google Docs and Google Sheets, but that's been a threat for a decade. But that type of stuff seems so permanent. And maybe I'd be wrong looking back 20 years, but Facebook stuff is less a permanent part of society. If you kind of get, Brad, you probably know that pretty well. I would say it's, the industry will be permanent. Social media will be permanent who knows who will be at the top. True. I guess that you can make a good argument there. Brad, you have something? 
Not, not, it's, it's kind of changing the subject. So if you guys have anything to add, um, in addition to that, um, feel free to go first. Ian, Ian, you've been, uh, or Ian, yeah. anything shaking your head? Well, quiet over I'll there. go, I'll go back for a second too, and then I'll let Brad change the topic. But I think just to go back to Tesla for a minute, um, I think that's one that we're probably not going to talk about again. I don't assume it's on either of your guys' list. It's not on my list, but it's one that I think bears consideration just because, um, it is pretty remarkable what they've done and you can disagree about all sorts of things that Tesla's done, but um, there's lots of, we could debate all day about that type of stuff, but it's pretty remarkable to go from not manufacturing cars to being one of the first cars people think of when they're deciding to buy a new car um, in a matter of, you know, a decade and, um, or, you know, a decade and a half or two decades. I think to, to be able to make that leap, is, is something that's pretty, pretty remarkable. And I think I, you know, I didn't put it on my list of the best businesses, but I think it is one of the best, um, business brands. stories of the last brands, potentially well brand potentially. And I think also one of the best business stories of the last number of years to show what truly is possible in this day and age where you can, um, like the access to capital, the ability to, um, manufacture both in the United States and abroad, um, there's just a lot of a lot of moving pieces that had to come together to make Tesla work um, and, and grow like it did. And I think that's a good thing for business overall that there's that a company like that was able to be started, take on industry incumbents. And now, you know, whether it's justified or not, it does have a significantly higher market cap than um, any of the other players in the industry. So I think I think it is one of I think it deserves consideration. All of the, all of the competitors combined. Yeah, Correct. I will. I will. Uh, I'll also add. The I wonder how long I will keep turning a blind eye to how much people love the brand. I'll probably do it forever. But I look around like we live in Microsoft or live in Microsoft. We live in Redmond. Might as well be called Microsoft. The uh, we live in the Redmond area, and every car I see is a Tesla. And yeah. every single time I like I look at it, I'm like, Ugh. well, it's you like know, twenty. It's like twenty percent. It's like twenty percent, which is high, which is high for. All I saw three red model. I passed three red model threes on the same street this morning, and it just. Yeah. How long am I going to sit there and say like, man, you know, this is a, eh, it's a fraud. Yeah, like, but the, it, it's going to disappear tomorrow. The like, argument is that there's very few areas like this. So, is that looking at you know, is Chicago yeah. look like that? But you still, I mean, you can you can definitely see the uptick in Tesla's on the road, just like anecdotally. Yeah. For sure. Pretty much. I feel like One, anywhere I've been in the country, but back to the best businesses part. I, I think a best business is irregardless of execution. You know what I mean? Irregardless is not a word. Regardless, whatever, regardless of execution. Thank you. Yeah. I thought it was a word. You had me fooled. The, uh, it's regardless of execution. So is it like, I think it's like great, you know, Tesla is great execution and kind of like whatever they've called it. Even uh, Elon Musk has called it a miracle almost with a bad business. Right. Like I do have a hard time putting a, anything that capital intensive in the best businesses. Yeah. I kind of think like capital intensity is like a a headwind, but I mean, sometimes it's a moat. I mean, you know, with the cloud stuff, it's kind of been a moat. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is red color, red color, where are you? Ah. 
<sighs> All blocked thanks to advanced security included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I don't know. Brad, did you have something to add? You had another another topic. Uh, just I, I wanted to just throw some love. I I, I wanted to. I almost put Airbus or, or Boeing kind of in that in that discussion just because of the the really long term uh, or the really large global supply constrained duopoly. Um, so wanted to throw that out there as well that that was another um, kind of piece of the puzzle that I was looking at. Um, but but I, I I wanted to go with marketing, but just with the idea of how subjective this is and how and how yeah how subjective this is. And I think that yeah, and you can define it however you want. And that yeah. also goes, I would say, either of. The- I guess I'm not as familiar with Airbus, but I would say Boeing's in the too big to fail category, or maybe not too big, but too important to the country in which it resides to fail. Yeah, um, but also the too negligent helps. to place in my top five. And I say that as a shareholder with tough love. I mean, the the, the, the stuff that they've put us through the last two years kind of precluded them from that top five list. But yeah. um, the the market positioning they have is very uniquely compelling. Yeah. All right. Who All wants right. to go next? Uh, Ryan, you want to go? one of us. Yeah, I'll go. Um, so coming in at number five, uh, it is not unique now. It is Costco. So Brad already mentioned it, but I think, I mean, everyone are people always talk about this and I think everyone understands the model, but the idea of being the low cost provider and charging for access to that is just a really good model. And when you, it's one of those companies that when you go to the store, you can just kind of feel like it's a good business. You like every operation is so streamlined within the store. It's um, impossible to compete with. The, yeah, the employees are happy. They're well paid. I mean, the stuff they're really selling stuff at cost, and they have the scale, so it's impossible. It's it's no one can. I mean, not even Walmart because Walmart's not going to have a subscription service for in store anytime soon. Like no one can compete with them on cost. Yeah, so they, they they come in at number five, um, and I would say that is, nope, scratch that. I was gonna say that was only like the physical goods company that I own. Like I thought most of the other ones were digital, but that just isn't true. So I've got a few more that are physical goods. Um, but number four, and I guess you could call this half digital, half physical goods, is Apple. Uh, I know Ian. Uh, Ian could that could be on Ian's list. Probably Ian's. likes that one. Yeah. Uh, I said they struck gold. It, the iPhone is probably the greatest product of all time. Actually, it is the greatest product of all time. I think we can say that with confidence. It's one of those where you look around whenever you're in public and you just see everyone staring down at their phones and you're like, why don't I own Apple? Um, and it's, I mean, it's, I think Scott Galloway called it this, but I would say it's the most valuable real estate in the world. Um, they call it, well, he, he referred screen. to the home bar or yeah, the little bar in the bottom, but I would say the home screen of the iPhone is the most valuable real estate in the world. Um, I don't need to go to much longer on them. The third company, and this is the one I think I was most excited to add to this list is standard oil. Uh, still we could, now we can it's debate today. whether it exists today or not. It, it exists well, in pieces, it, the but it's still there. It exists. Yeah. All right. Um, and so I, I'll kind of go, I guess, for anyone that doesn't like know a ton of the history of Standard Oil to kind of talk about some of the advantages. Part of it was that they were just sort of, not to discredit big, big uh, John D, but he, I think it was advantageous timing or just beneficial timing, um, being as early to the refining business as he was. Uh, So they were able to reach 
pretty much the like the highest scale the quickest and because of that they were able to get the railroad uh discounts whether or not that was legal or not they were able to get the railroad discounts because the volume they were putting through on the uh those railroads um so then that kind of gave them a cost advantage and then from the cost advantage they could undercut on cost compared to other other refineries so then then they basically consolidated that advantage and i've got a quote here from a book i believe it was the uh ida tarbell book from like 1901 or something like that um but basically a representative or multiple representatives from standard oil went door to door to each refinery in the u.s and said uh, here's the quote you see the scheme is bound to work it means an absolute control by us of the oil business there's no chance for anyone outside but we are going to give everybody a chance to come in you are to turn over your refinery to my appraisers and i will give you standard oil company stock or cash as you prefer for the value we put on it i advise you take the stock it will be for your good so is that good business though or just great execution i would say well i mean that's that's a great business after the fact that you control 90% of the refineries in the U S by yeah. And the, they got there through great execution, but I would say by 1880, that, that was one of, I think they're accounting for like three percent. Was it a huge chunk of America's GDP? Yeah. And they still lasted till today. Exxon mobile, Chevron, and one other, I can't remember. I think that belongs. I mean, if they lasted from the 18, yeah, if they lasted from eighteen eighty to today. I mean, it's pretty damn good. It's yeah. pretty damn good. All right, what's your third? Second, fourth, second, second. Philip Morris and Altria. Now, I believe this may be the one that Brett was referring to or alluding to earlier, uh, and it has certainly had its regulatory scrutiny. But I've got a Warren Buffett quote here on why he said, even though he never invested in the nicotine business, he talked about why he liked it. He said, it costs a penny to make, they sell it for a dollar, it's addictive, and there's fantastic brand loyalty. Uh, so there is that, the customers are sticky because they're quite literally addicted to it. So there's, uh, you don't have to go out and acquire the same customer twice, usually. And then also the regulatory pressure over the last 50 years has made competing with them very difficult just because you can't really market in cigarettes anymore. And governments have tried to kill them. They literally have to put, this kills you on every package and people still use it. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. And so I would, yeah, I would say any company that's able to have sustain, I I haven't checked in a while, sustain 50% operating margins for more than a decade uh, definitely belongs in one of the best business discussions. Um, So that's my number two. Any, any debate on that? Brad, number two? Or specifically, or any of them? Just Philip Morris Altria in the. Uh, I guess I agree, but I don't know what what do they think. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the best businesses in the world, not not my uh, not my um, <laughs> philosophical uh, beliefs. So yeah, exactly. I, have no problem, yeah. I have no problem putting them in that top five. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I would say um, I see the argument argument you're making. Um, under my criteria, which is which I'll share when it's my turn to go, it wouldn't have made the cut. Um, but that's you know, that's that's differences of opinion. Well, it's, <laughs> it appears it vague it appears for a reason. Vague for a reason. Yeah. It appears Ian has an ESG list. Yeah. <laughs> don't no, don't pin that on me. He's going for don't flows. He's, he's going for flows. I'll also make the argument that this is one of the best ESG companies in the world by. Uh, killing enough people that uh, it's reducing carbon emissions. 
Exactly. But, yeah. uh, Excellent point. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, I, mean. I, I haven't seen a sustainability report come out yet. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. My number one, I think people probably, I, I imagine every, may, every, every one of us might have this. Uh, it's Google for me. Um, they, I mean, it's basically like a toll road on information today. Um, and like, and I would almost add maybe, I don't know which I like better if it's Google search or YouTube, but YouTube, uh, it's got the two things that I liked with the network effect and the user generated content. Um, YouTube basically says advertisers do all the work and then users do all the work. We don't do anything, but you're going to pay us. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. And it's, and, and now they can like, and now they can erode the free part because they have the YouTube, what is it? YouTube premium. They can either make it a subscription and they can just bog down the YouTube free with ads, which I know they've been doing and it bothers me every day, but I still don't stop spending. I, I don't, I keep spending time on it. So it's just a matter of time until I convert. Um, and then they can just monetize me that way. But uh, I would say definitely one of, one of, if not the best businesses of all time. And I don't, some people, I mentioned that on Twitter and they were like, well, it hasn't been around long enough to know if it's the best business of all time. But I can say with utmost confidence that this will be around for another decade. Yeah. I'll spoil. I, I put YouTube in my, I had it and I took it out because I was going to do specifically YouTube. So it's in my honorable mention. But the only thing is the tens of thousands of, um, what are they called? Content moderators needed. That's what makes it a bit worse, in my opinion, than a, some of the business, like business models, just because you need that, and that's yeah. kind of like a little bit of a roadblock to margins. I mean, they that's still have like what fifty percent operating margins. We have no idea what YouTube's they don't margins say are. Yeah, the uh, I will it's say similar to Facebook, probably. The uh, do you think that'll be automated over the next decade? Oh yeah, you're asking a machine learning scientist here. I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. I guess that's true. That's interesting. All right. Well, uh, what'd you guys, any, any gripes? Yeah, I've got something to weigh in on Google with, um, spoiler alert. It is not on my list. Um, I considered it and I think there's a lot of interesting things about Google and it's, it's clearly been a great business over the last 20 years, but I wonder kind of similar to some of the Twitter comments you were getting Ryan about the staying power of Google. And I think that over the next five to 10 to 15 years, there's chance, there's a chance that, um, some search starts moving away from Google and, and towards things, um, towards different types of searches. And so one example of that would be Pinterest and where people start searching more visually. Um, and I don't think Google, at least currently, is really set up to, to match that in quite the same way. Um, I think there's some interesting things um, going on with like voice search, um, potentially AR and VR. And I know that's getting into kind of <laughs> crazy town a little bit. And there's just so much uncertainty about what that would really look like. But I don't know that the search, like the search business, business was revolutionary in the way that they got it um, with backlinks originally and, and created this monopoly, I think is really impressive, but I'm not sure that the monopoly is impenetrable. Hmm. That's interesting. So moving into more specific apps, stuff like that, is that kind of... Yeah, maybe more specific apps, maybe instead of searching for things. Um, this is a little bit of a shameless plug for Merlin, but I think conversations with people... Um, to answer questions rather than just searches are going to continue to rise. 
I think YouTube is another good example. And obviously Google does own YouTube. And so um, they've got this covered, but I think searching for videos um, and just getting answers to videos rather than at the, the general web, but there's, there's an opportunity, I think, for more curated um, search engines. Amazon, Amazon, is a, Amazon has been eating share a bit. I mean, everyone's yes. been winning right now over the but last wait, five years, but. But isn't, I don't know. It still feels like Google's the dashboard to all those things. Maybe yeah, not on nah, Google, not Amazon. I started Amazon. Really? Yeah. Why not? I Google every Amazon every time I go to Amazon. Damn. I know. I start. I Google Amazon.com, and it just pops in. The, they are but not making Google money it. on that. I know, but they're not making money on that because it pops. It's into still the, the dashboard. It's still it's still but the starting. They're point. not making money on that compared to a sponsored listing. I will. Uh, yeah, I do think maybe if there is one risk to. To Google, especially search, I would say that it maybe there's a world where people avoid search in some way. I could see that most likely happening on mobile. Um, just people, whatever your search is, it's uh, like if you have a niche search, you basically go to an app to find that. Well, they have to pay eighteen billion dollars a year to Apple, so that does that. Or they feel so far, the need to do that. Store. They feel the need to do that, so it's like, but it's. I know, but they feel the need to do that. Would it, would the people still use Google? If not, does that make your business that much, a little bit worse when you're forced to pay $18 billion to have your service available? Because I would say if you're the, one of the best businesses of all time, everyone would just come to you. Yeah, but search is still growing though. Like it's not like, it's not like it's fading. And, the, and Oh, the, I mean, the, I, I love, I think Google's a great business. The other, the other thing I'd say is I think they have diversified away enough that if risk or if search were to decline, there's still a business underlying it that is whether that's YouTube or Google Drive or Google Cloud Maps. Maps. I, I think they'll there isn't a whole lot of concern. I feel like there's enough margin of safety. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I feel like you if you're listening, you might be thinking I'm arguing with you and I kind of disagree with you though. <laughs> All right, but I, I do appreciate the point. Should we go to Ian, your list next? Sure, that'd be great. So I'm going to lay out just a little bit of my criteria. Um, this wasn't very scientific or there's a lot of different directions to go, but here were a few of the things that I was considering, not any sort of specific weightings, but I was considering returns for investors, um, impact on the world, which may just mean impact on me, um, and what I mean by that is kind of something similar to the snap test um, that David Gardner talks about. That if, if you snapped and the business went, went away, would anybody notice? And then more importantly, would anybody care? Um, longevity, all the companies on my list have been around for a significant amount of time. Um, and most of the ones on my list have uh, gone through successful leadership change, which I think is something that is important for great businesses and and then staying power as well which is kind of the point i was making with google that it just was part of what kept it off my list i may be dead wrong about that and i will say that all of those combined i was looking at this as much more of an execution question rather than a um like industry question and so um for these businesses i didn't care kind of what industry they were in just did they really execute did they win the game that they were playing and um so that's, that's where I'm starting. So number five on my list is Salesforce. Um, arguably kind of the, the original SaaS company, software as a service. It's never in its history had a year of under 20% revenue growth. 
and it's had over 20 years of history now. That's pretty um, the annualized return since it went public in 2004 is 26% a year, um, which is, you know, <laughs> I'd be pretty happy with a 26% return for over 20 years. Um, and then just another note on revenue growth, 51% revenue growth, uh, Kager since its inception. And because it is, it has acquired a lot of companies too. Um, I wanted to do revenue per share. It's grown revenue per share at an annualized rate of 31% since it started. And so just pretty impressive, consistent growth. The idea that it not only has had that high growth, but also never had a year in its history under 20% revenue growth um, is pretty striking to me. And so I thought it deserved to be on the list. I'd say the one thing that probably kept it a little bit lower on this list is the leadership transition is a little bit to be determined. You know, Benioff's kind of been in and out. And, um, but I think, um, I think they're preparing for to be a, a great business for years to come. All right. That's, um, a, that's uh, I think it might be the first one. I might be the only person with Salesforce so far, right? That's, I'm not going to have Salesforce. Yeah. All right. That's, so, a, that was a good dark horse. Dark, I do a like good, that one. Good dark horse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think one of the things in terms of the impact on the world is it kind of showed people it created all these other businesses, arguably, right? There's all these other businesses that sprouted out of it or not out of it, but um, modeled after it. And so I think um, a lot of the software as a service industry can attribute um, a lot of kind of its success to Salesforce paving the way. Number four is going to be even more of a dark horse, maybe. Um, I was thinking about putting in and out here, but just a little bit too small, probably. Um, that was, that's as a Southern California uh, college graduate. I might have to I give you a hard time on that one. No, that's a good one. I say <laughs> but, it's good. The food's not, I would argue not even that good. And people go, dude, those lines are <laughs> insane. Yeah. So the one I ended up going with, um, it, it was kind of between these two for number four. The one I ended up going with for number four is Chick-fil-A. Um, again, kind of a similar with that one. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, kind of a similar thing. What'd you say, Brad? I'm sorry to interrupt. I thought you were going to go with Chipotle, but Chick-fil-A is, is delicious. So good pick. <laughs> yeah. So some, so both of those companies have in common private um, family ownership, cult followings. Anytime a new location opens for either of those places, there's lines around the block. And I'd say that the other thing that they have in common is great prices and exceptional service. Um, that every time you go there, the people, at least it seems like to me, um, people are nice and and a different level of service than you get at most fast food restaurants. If you value Chick-fil-A at around 10 times sales, which is the McDonald's multiple and maybe too steep, but if you value it at 10 times sales, um, they did about $10 billion in sales, I think it said in 2019, um, 10 or 11 billion. And so they're, they're north of a hundred billion dollar company with that metric. Um, somewhere, you know, if you, if it's a little more conservative, maybe a $50 billion company. They're franchised, um, right? They are franchised, yeah, yeah. Um, but they have, they have a little bit of an interesting franchise model. It's not quite the same model that um, traditional franchises are. They have a little bit more control over them. Um, so that's, that's number four on my list. I think it's just been a great business, continues to grow, cult following. Um, number three for me is Disney. Oh, Disney's on this list. Like that. Yeah. Because of the longevity of it, I think it has a lot of staying power. I think it's had a tremendous impact on the world. Um, starts with the visionary founder of Walt Disney. But then I think one of the most impressive things about Disney is how it's continued to survive and thrive in the years since Walt Disney, particularly during the Bob Iger years, I think was just um, very impressive. They've had a commitment to excellence. They've gone into many different businesses, but always 
not always, but almost always found ways to complement each other. Um, and they're in, they're in every, just about every American's life in some way. The one, there is a little bit of a knock on it that in the last, um, I measured returns, including dividends, um, reinvested for the last 20 years. And their annualized return over the last 20 years is only 8.5% a year. Um, part of that's due to a recent decline in the stock. But I would also say that um, some of the big value creation of Disney came in the decades before that. Um, but I think that for me, that goes up as one of the, one of the top businesses. That's definitely, yeah, that's mind share number one, I would say. I mean, I like, I think the theme park's even the best part. Disneyland and Disney World specifically, or whatever, the, they got them internationally too. I'm just thinking of America. Those are some of the best business brands in the world. Yeah. Being able to pair that too with your just uh, digital IP. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, I wish, I wish I had thought of that. That, that. that definitely belongs on the list. That was hiding in plain sight. <laughs> yeah. All right. What Did else you have you something got? to add, Brad? Yeah, I was just gonna say swing and miss there for me as well. Just, I mean, when you can when you can make like Iron Man four, five, six, seven, like when you can just turn your movies into these massively profitable hits, and 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 know that um, like you have the IP to 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 kind of ensure that success. I mean, that's just such an advantage for them. So yeah, good pick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing about Disney is they we joke about this all the time, but I think they have a true flywheel. Right? They make great content which then helps them sell more tickets, which then helps them sell more um, like merchandise, which then helps them uh, gain new fans, which then helps them you know, make the money to then make new content. And it just keeps going round and round in circles and they monetize at every level. And I think, you know, gets them on this list versus someone like Netflix, which also has a great business, but um, doesn't have all those same ways to make money off of content. Right. So that's, I think that's, I think it's one of the great businesses in the world. Yeah. Number two for me is Amazon. Um, I think it revolutionized the world of e-commerce and of shopping in general. Um, they have done a remarkable job, I think, of adding other businesses to the core business over time. First, by expanding their products, right? instead of just being books and there's books and music and games and just kept adding. And then transitioning to new businesses like third-party sellers, ads, uh, Amazon Web Services. They've done a, a pretty extraordinary job, I think, of just finding the right verticals to add to, um, to their core business. And they've had remarkable returns since 2000 as well. They're 18.1% um, annualized for the last 20 years um, or 21 years. And um, I think, I don't know, I think that's... That there's probably other people who would agree with me too, but I think that's been one of the great businesses of, of my lifetime at least. And I think it has a lot of staying power. I think there's some questions about, I don't know what you guys think about this, but I'm kind of curious to see whether it gets broken up in the next few years, um, whether by choice or by regulators, um, just because I think all of these, all of its businesses have, um, <laughs> particularly AWS could, could be standalone. Yeah. AD, I don't know. They might just do it because for value creation, but it, it probably depends how much real problems the government has. That's like a good problem to deal with is Amazon. But I kind of think Amazon Prime is similar to, you know, in, in quality to the Costco business model where that subscription, you're just locked in with minimal, minimal churn from families. Uh, yeah. I would, I mean, it. Uh, Amazon Prime definitely like, yeah, I, I, that definitely belongs in the discussion, but I would put Amazon more on the best execution 
list. I don't know if I'd put it on like the best business capital intensity, yeah. list yeah. just because it's, it's one where they've had to perpetually execute and kind of raise the bar over and over again. Whereas Google, when I think of like the best business model, it's something where they kind of caught lightning in a bottle and then they were able to just sustain that and build on it without needing to kind of reinvent themselves. Although surfing versus right. It's kind of that surfing yeah. analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say that. All right. Number one, Ian. Oh, wait, Brad's, Brad's got some. Brad. Yeah. I just, to interrupt and, and keep blabbering, I, I just along, along those lines, I, I think if we did this in 20 years and the trade desk was still um, had, had those, had, had the dominant market share and in, in the same 20 years, or a successful 20 years, I, I think I would consider it putting it there just because it's had Apple and, and Google and all these companies trying to like erode its value proposition and hasn't worked. And then also they raised $7 million before turning profitable. That That's all they had to raise before turning into a, a, a hyper growth profitable company. So I just think along those lines of capital efficiency, it's just such an important idea in today's markets when you have the Ubers of the world burning through billions and billions and billions of dollars before turning EBITDA positive. Um, just to, and this isn't really relevant, so I probably should have just zipped oh, it. Trade desk, trade desk <laughs> no, that's a future, a, honorable yeah. mention. I think Trade Desk, yeah, that's a definite candidate as a future one. It's too early in their life. Too cycle, early. But I'd weigh, I'd put way heavier odds on them versus Uber. Uh, all right. What's your number one, Ian? Yeah, that was a great comment, Brad. Um, that's going to get me thinking a little bit, but I'll focus on the task at hand. My number one is Apple. And Ryan, okay. Ryan called it earlier, but that is my number one. I think it changed the world with the iPhone. Um, in all the ways that Ryan described earlier, I think it's had an incredible commitment to excellence, both in the products, which was really spearheaded by um, uh, by Steve Jobs, but then also operational excellence, which has been spearheaded by Tim Cook in the in the following years. And I think it may be, I, I'd like to get your guys' opinion on this, but it is perhaps the best leadership transition of all time from Steve Jobs to Tim Cook in terms of um, continued execution um, in the midst of in the midst of even some turmoil at that time, at that time with jobs um, passing away. And I'd say that that is also somewhat unexpected because I think their leadership styles are fairly different. And maybe that's what it took for to, for the leadership transition to go well. But for him to have, for Steve Jobs to have the run that he had, followed by the run that Tim Cook has had, I think is very impressive. And since 2000, Apple has returned 29% a year which puts it up there. It's the highest annualized return on my list um, and puts it up there with with some of the top returners of all time. Monster energy, right? Yeah. And that's way smaller. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue with Apple. I don't, I don't, I don't think you can. Best transition of all time. You might be right. Maybe I, I like, I think Satya Nadella created yeah. a ton of value at Microsoft. Um, but that's just because of how bad Ballmer was at his job before Satya came in. Like, that's why the transition was so he had a lower. Yeah. He had a lower if you bar, went, I guess. Right. I think if you went from Bill Gates to Satya Nadella, and had that string of success back to back, which may have been impossible. But if you had that string of success, I think that would rival what um, Steve Jobs and Tim Cook had done. But for them to go uninterrupted and just continue on their dominance, and with really no, well, this is a you know, <laughs> this is biased by my bullishness, but with what I would say, no end in sight. Right? Apple is one of those few companies that they can say the craziest stuff. Like, oh, maybe we'll make an Apple car, or maybe we're going to make AR glasses or VR glasses. We're going to do this or that or the other thing. And you have to take them seriously. You know, you have to, you know, not just laugh at them. There's, there's a real possibility that they can do just about whatever they want. Combined with the brand. Yeah. All right. Let's go, uh, Brett, your list. Yeah. So I went, my criteria was less 
you know, so we came up with our own kind of criteria ourselves here. It was more of a business that it's more like the ham sandwich management type business where it's, it's really impossible to see them. It'd be really hard to kill this business combined with need for almost zero marketing where your consumers or your customers are going to come to you no matter what. Um, so five, I have, and you guys might be a little surprised here, LVMH, which is basically Louis Vuitton. Ooh, I wow. think that is one of the best businesses ever because it's Jeez. not even about your design. It, it's it, like name. you just put the little thing on it, the logo, and you can charge 10 times as much. I mean, the, the products are high quality, but basically you have just a high quality product. You sell it for whatever, six, seven times what it costs. And you already have the customers that are going to come to you automatically. I feel like that would be a very hard business to kill. Yeah. Um, and they build are, like. You are the resident fashion expert in the panel. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know your, none of us are fashion can't experts. can't believe you didn't wear any Louis Vuitton gear. <laughs> I know. I, would, I, I say that as someone who would never buy Louis Vuitton. But, man, I mean, the, I don't know. Like, uh, it's really hard for them. They the, What's crazy to me, it's similar to Apple in this regard, but even more extreme. The more they raise prices, the more people want to buy it. And some companies have tried to pretend to do that. Like Peloton. Peloton. They tried, well, I say, they tried to do that and failed. Um, and we'll see if Tesla can do that in automotive. I know people have made that argument. I kind of argue that it's too expensive in general. But with LVMH, I don't know. I guess... Uh, Anything else on that? We're going to go to number uh, four. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good dark horse. Number four, the New York Stock Exchange. Mm. I think this is another one where, and this is just going through my criteria of basically no costs, super high margins, almost impossible traded? to compete. Uh, they're a part of a conglomerate, I believe. So I just chose the New York Stock Exchange, but oh. I believe they're, they, they're like combined with, I don't know, there's like, Are they in? I don't know if they're owned by S&P Global, but uh there's all those acquisitions. I don't follow that space very well at all, but I know the New York Stock Exchange itself is a great business. One, it's lasted forever. Yeah. And two, it's impossible. I think it's impossible to kill. I mean, you have the you have the duopoly now, but the reason the NASDAQ got so big is because they caught lightning in a bottle with the tech bubble. And I just think it's an amazing business. Like you, they have the bit, if you want to go public, you have to go through them. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on any any concerns with that? Oh, definitely. I I, I mean, the size I'm, is limited. The size I'm is limited, but usually a fan of exchanges to begin with. I think those are typically, especially when I'm looking like in like emerging markets. That's usually like the first business I look for if I uh, if it's like an area I don't know. Yeah, because it feels like the most durable. Yeah, and it's just the size is the only limitation. Ian, you some? Yeah, I was just going to say I would. I was just going to say that I, I a hundred percent agree that it's been an incredible business in the past. And I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's going to be good in the, in the future too. I think it's got a good note, but to play devil's advocate, do you think there's any risk of web three or crypto or, I know, I know who I'm asking, but <laughs> do you think there's any risk that there's some applications there that might limit the need for exchanges? Just because I think that there's, I think we all can all agree that there's some kind of crazy use cases for um, a lot of the, the crypto or Web3 or blockchain technology. But I think something like an exchange um, is one of the places where it might make some sense to use some, some of that type of technology. And it's not too far-fetched to 
to see it working. So do you think there's any risk there? I'm going to stay open-minded and say yes, but I think it's highly unlikely. So I guess maybe that's why it's lower on the list here. But I got another one here that is potentially disrupted by crypto. So we'll see. Brad, what do you got to add? Yeah, just on that, on the exchange front, just to, to give a really stark case study of how important it is to be a, a large company needing funding to be on the New York Stock Exchange. We talk a lot about these um, Canadian, or not, not these Canadian, the American cannabis growers and how they're listed in Canada. Now there's no liquidity and how no matter how well they do, it, it, it doesn't matter because there's no liquidity and institutions can't buy them. So for public market funding and for capital, yeah, it, it can't be overstated how important getting funding on a major exchange like and, and getting funding on the New York Stock Exchange really is. So kind of kind of a anecdotal piece of evidence, as, as we say in our they have brand quality. I would also say I would also maybe throw and I hope I'm not spoiling your any future picks, but I would throw the ratings agencies in there as well. Yeah, I, uh, that's in there too. I don't know them well enough um, yeah. to, to make any, because they're, I think they're slightly hard to understand, but people have made that argument that they're some of the highest quality businesses. The in the world. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's your three? Three. I'm going to go, and this one is going to be a surprise too. Hershey. Ooh. This one, that's, this is my dark horse, but I think it's one of the best businesses in the world. I honestly think it might be better than Coca-Cola. Interesting. Uh, because in that, in that CPG category, because Coca-Cola gets attacked all the time by regulators and stuff on the, the sugar and you know how soda is bad for you. And some of these other candy categories. They just like they, them too much to, to attack exactly. them. Exactly. People, people like Hershey too much. And they, yeah, they don't attack them for whatever reason. The, the, the culprit has been soda when both are, you know, just sugar and one, Hershey is similar to Coca-Cola where they both have that distinct taste that no one's basically allowed to replicate. Two, uh, Hershey's been around for, I believe, over 100 years. And three, they... They own uh, a lot too, don't they? Uh, they what? They own a lot of other like brands. Yeah, but I'm specific, specifically Hershey bars okay. and whatever, all the Hershey Hershey ones. I know I'm kind of cheating because it's, it's like in, in the, uh, a subsidiary almost of a public company. But yeah, those ones. And... It's also a part of the culture because with s'mores and whatever, all those snacks and stuff, it's not a, it's not a chocolate bar. It's a Hershey bar. So I think that makes them one of the best businesses of all time and yeah. their stock returns. I should have done the actual research like Ian, but their stock chart, just look at it. It's vertical over, over a long oh, are time. They, are they a part of Mars? No, Hershey's its own company. Mondelez, oh. isn't it? No, no, it's its own one. You're, you're, oh, it's pub, like it's, uh, it's, its uh, own it's, Hershey. It's like HSY, right? Yeah, let me look at HSY Hershey County. Let's get the all-time stock return. That's a fun one. I'm curious what else they own. I mean, you have that. You've, you've got that addiction argument too, a little bit with with, with sugar and and kind of an association taste, um, definitely. So yeah, it's uh well, the all-time returns are so large they're taking they, they won't load. Right. Yeah, they, they own they own Reese's. <laughs> they own Reese's too. Yeah, it's a good one as well. Um, okay, number things two. Oreo. Mondelez owns Oreo. Okay, cool. There's another good one. That, that one, that. yeah, that one fits culturally as well, at least in the U.S. Right. Number two, Philip Morris. We already talked about that one. I don't think we need to go through it again. Number one, and I don't. I'm surprised no one chose this. Visa. Now I, I was definitely considering it. What? What? Why didn't I want to ask why? Because I think everyone understands how it works. Why I didn't make anyone's top five? I I don't entirely. I don't know. Maybe I don't know the business enough, but I don't entirely understand all the risks associated with it. Well, my argument is that it's just 
everyone has to come to them and their take rate on their whatever 0.1% take rate on world GDP growing percentage because more is going digital. So, and they have no marketing expenses and it's inflation protected. You can run it with a hundred people. Could I don't you? know. That's what I heard in a business breakdowns podcast. <laughs> I want to trust that. I think they might've been exaggerating, but I'm not talking about Visa's, uh, Visa's ancillary business is the core Visa product. Okay. I don't know. I have yeah, no, the rails. Yeah. I have no gripe with that. And you think about like Venmo and, and PayPal and Apple pay and Google pay, and they all plug into plug into these rails. So, I mean, you need a real, you need a, a massive DeFi decentralized, all the buzzwords overhaul for them really to be displaced, which, which I think is a lot longer of a shot than, than maybe some seem to think. Yeah. yeah Ian, this is another one. Web three. <laughs> yeah, it could. And there'd probably be some people who would argue that I think I tend to be, I tend to agree with you that I think at least for, for a number of years to come, the visa is going to be visa and mastercard are going to be in strong positions. Is there a reason why you went with visa over mastercard? Uh, I just think they're the number one, like uh name so i mean they're very mm -hmm. similar businesses I, I don't follow them too closely but i just choose visa because they're the one that it seems most people choose instinctively so i'd rather have yeah. them i know mastercard's executed better over the last 10 years but i think just because of visa's brand is slightly better um because i remember like when i was younger my dad or some, said one time like no make sure you have a visa card because mastercard's not accepted everywhere that's in people's heads I don't know. I think that brand kind of gives them an edge. Although MasterCard, obviously up there as well. Amex. Amex. Of course. <laughs> well, Amex has, Amex is a pretty, pretty good brand as well, but that's more of the exclusivity stuff. Discover. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, watch out, watch out for, uh, what's, what was that? What was that fraud card called? Watch out. No, but that, well, that was Billy McFarlane. Yeah. Well that, that had to be on visa. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> It had to be, it had to be on happened. something. Maybe he didn't. Maybe Magnesis wasn't on anything. <laughs> it was well, just I don't think it existed. So yeah, it actually isn't for paying. It was for slapping on the table. Um, all right. Any other topics? Anything to say before we close out? I was going to make a Nicola joke and put it in my top five. But I did see. So I tweeted out, "What's the best business of all time?" And I had a lot of Nicholas. a lot of people said the IRS. Ha ha. Yes, it probably is. But the uh, a lot of people said Nicola. Um, I was gonna put it in my top five and see it, but I I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know. It didn't feel right. Yeah, I agree with. I would agree with the IRS on the standpoint of um, uh, businesses and with moats and all those types of things. I don't know if I was using my criteria with execution involved. I don't know if the IRS's and the government's capital allocation strategy has been um, something to to uh, be proud of over the last number of years, but. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Here, I'm gonna go through some of the answers and see if we missed any. Yeah. All right. Here's here's Hershey's return though is is over a hundred thousand percent. So casual that ten thousand bagger since the seventies. So That's all right. Yeah, it's just okay. Berkshire, would you guys put it in there? No, nah, it's execution. Well, Ian's criteria execution. My criteria of no is no, just because it, it it's not one that the business just comes to them. It's like it's all about management. Yeah, and I so I considered Berkshire as well, um, but it seemed to me it, it, there was just too many businesses within Berkshire to say. I don't know. I I didn't want to. I had a hard time just attributing it to Berkshire, and it also has the problem um, that 
they've had just the two leaders for the whole time. And there hasn't been any sort of transition. I think it's yet to be seen what will happen um, when Charlie and uh, Warren decide to retire. So yeah. what about just railroads? a couple of questions there. Railroads could be in there. Yeah, I was saying I railroads. I considered that too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people said the credit, the ratings agencies, a lot of some uh, visa. We got some visa people in here. No. One of the, uh, I think he's the head of marketing at our sponsor here. Uh, Porter. He, he agreed with you on a lot of them. Payments rails plus uh, Louis Vuitton. Nice. Uh, yeah. I I, Schwab. What are your thoughts on Schwab? What about JP Morgan? Like the big nah, banks? Nah, no. 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 Disagree. Schwab's interesting though. But make, I, I, make still don't, I still don't, I still, no, the marketing, they have to spend too much on marketing. All right. Too competitive, huh? I, I think yeah. so. I think so. Why is that a better business than Hershey? It's too commodity. Yeah. It's a, com- well, yeah, it's a commodity with less pricing power, essentially. Yeah. But they have the, they have the scale. I mean, maybe you can make the Costco argument because they have the scale, but there's other people with that type of scale. There's no differentiation. If you guys had to put one position, so we zoom forward 15 years from now, I don't know if we're going too long, but zoom forward, let's call it a decade because that's too long anyway. But what position in your portfolio do you think has the best shot of climbing into these ranks? Uh, Oh, that's an interesting one. Uh, Match group for me, I think. Match group's a good one. The network effect there is huge. And it just, it's, it's pretty anecdotal, but people my age, pretty much everyone that's single, well, we're all the same age. I think we were all yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said my age, but I think we've all witnessed it. Uh, that that's it's one just, where it's demand, a staple of society. Demand is coming to them. They don't have to spend on the. I don't know. That's kind of one indicator for me because I was thinking, if yeah. I'm looking at long term stock performance, something like EA or Autodesk, just because of the stock performance, and I think they're quality businesses, but it, they still have to do a lot of marketing and a lot of R and D, which I think. Look, people love R&D, but I, it, if you have a business that's going to have the same revenue with spending 1% on R&D versus someone that's forced to spend 10% of R&D every year, I'm going to choose the one that's going to have yeah. the same defensible position spending 1% on R&D. So mm-hmm. I think that is honestly a downside, even though in specific industries versus competitors, having that R&D spend and be able to scale with that can give you a sort of advantage and can kind of be a good indicator. On, in a vacuum, I don't think R&D spend is, is one of valuing the best businesses ever. If you have to spend on R&D, it's kind of a negative, to be honest. What about you guys? I think for me, and I'm kind of surprised I didn't even think of this one. It wouldn't have made my top five anyways, but I think Shopify has a chance to get there. Yeah. Um, just too with young, how many, yeah. I think a little too young and just a little, um, I don't know. I, I think it's close. I think it deserves kind of honorable mention right now, but I, I look at it and think, Another decade from now, um, more and more of the world's businesses, I can see moving to Shopify being the hub for their business, right? And what they run their business on. And then um, I think there's, you know, it becomes in a slightly different way, it becomes the rails um, for commerce throughout the world. And so yeah. uh, I think I think it could have a similar, similar um, kind of role that Visa and MasterCard has today with people. It's just a necessary expense that gets run through all, all transactions. So, yeah, it's a hell of a business model. Brad, I, I think you may have already uh, disclosed yours with the trade desk. Do you have any others? Yeah. Match group is a great answer. I, I'd also throw maybe the highest likelihood or high, best operator among the cannabis industry, maybe Green Thumb in there, just because I think there's going to be two or three really large winners in that industry over time. 
Um, the dominant on, CPG player, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, sort sort of along the same lines as Monster and, and Philip Morris, just a, a, a different category that um, is now legally allowed to grow, uh, pun intended. So uh, maybe Green Thumb, maybe, and then the Trade Desk, but Match Group. I mean, when you have fifty percent market share of 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 dating downloads, it's hard to argue that that that's not quickly turning itself into a a, a elite business. Yeah, just keep Bumble around for the fake, uh, <laughs> no monopoly stuff. Right? Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it unless you guys have anything else. No, I mean, should we let you guys talk about where you can find any of the stuff? Like Brad, do you want to talk about your newsletter at all? Just, yeah. I will link it, but stock market nerd, Substack. Stockmarketnerd.com. Oh, is not, it Substack? Not, not Did Substack. you move from Substack? Ehive. Yeah. I, Ooh, I wanted to nice. use uh, Morning Brews. The, the founder built Morning Brews referral program essentially into that newsletter platform. So I really wanted to tap into that. So um, be high, but still stockmarketnerd.com. Cool. And then Ian, download Merlin. It's not with us on the losers on Android yet, but it will be coming soon. Some point, right? At some point. Yes. At some point it's coming to Android. Um, yeah. Check out Merlin. You can give me, I'm generally available. So if you click on it and uh, set up an account, it'll take you like two minutes and then uh, you can see me on the homepage and give me a call and let me know what you think. Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, throw a disclosure in here. Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital, so clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Before I sign off, please, if you're still listening, leave us a review. It helps the show grow uh, and we really appreciate it. Thank you guys. We'll see you next time. 